Hi, everyone. Before we start the show, I just want to let you know that if you enjoy the Dare Daniel podcast, if you like the work we're doing here, you can help us grow the show by making a donation through the Dare Daniel website. Your generous contributions will help offset the cost of producing the show and will also enable long-term projects. You can make a one-time payment or set up a monthly subscription. Any amount helps, and it's really greatly appreciated. Thanks a lot, and here's the show. Potential cat boyfriends. You're listening to the Dare Daniel podcast where you send us your most sinister movie dares. And we, we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald and I'm a quirky ass hitman. And with me as always is Daniel Barnes, a film critic for the Sacramento News and Review and a member of the San Francisco Film Critics Circle. Hi everyone, as Corky said on this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine and then we review and rate them on our unique system. We give your run-of-the-mill, everyday, average bad film a dare. We give a double dare to the truly atrocious movies, and we reserve the reverse dare for a despised film that is actually pretty good. Today on the podcast, we have in our scopes and are taken down with one-shot Richard Donner's 1995 film, Assassins, about rival hitmen played by Sylvester Stallone and Antonio Banderas. But before we get started, Daniel is going to tell us the beer we'll be drinking during the show. So once again, I've... Brought a beer from Modern Times, which is based in San Diego, and this was brewed in San Diego, but of course they have locations all up and down Southern California and Portland as well. It is called Bedrock. It is a brown ale with coconut and coffee, 6.2% alcohol by volume, and it's a very nice, light, smooth brown ale. I get more of the coconut than I do. The coffee is very restrained. Absolutely. For um, a brown it's ale. It's a nice light body. For a brown ale, it's so light and smooth. Mm-hmm. And then it's got a fruit finish to it. Yeah. Really good. Really good. All right. So if, if you've been listening to the Dare Daniel podcast for a while, you know that we are starting to get dares from characters in movies themselves. Do not say that word, sir. I will not. Because this the is... W word. It will, shall not be here, bespoke. You know what? Let's just say the word. Okay. And we'll rob it of its power. Yeah. Wormhole. 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 That's uh, our word. We're uh, owning that word, word That's now. our word yes, now. Yes, exactly. So this movie, though, however, takes a wormhole to a wormhole. Yeah. Because this isn't a character in the movie. No. This someone has imagined <laughs> a cabal that sits... That exists outside of this movie that makes this movie happen. Yeah, that's true. We've received a dare from the president of the Assassin's Guild of Assassinations. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, this is a case where this came directly from the president. Yeah. If it was the president's PR guy reaching out to us, I don't think we have that same urgency. But no. when the president right. directly wants you to see something, then you have to kind of listen. We- it makes you wonder, how did he get our direct line? You know, how are we on his radar? Well, as you'll see in this movie, assassins have magical powers <laughs> <laughs> and magical computers. And apology to all lady assassins for assuming the president would be a man. <laughs> I don't want to offend any female assassins out there. So the dare comes like this. While the Assassin's Guild of Assassinations, the AGA, is very support of moot. Okay, so the president is obviously... It, is very supportive of movies highlighting the many contributions those skilled in the assassin arts have made to humanity over the years. This movie is a black eye on an other lo- otherwise flawless genre of movies. Antonio Banderas plays an assassin, in quotes, who can't get the number one ranking with the AGA, in parentheses, or this movie's bunk-ass version of our illustrious guild, unless he takes out Sly Stallone. Go and go nickname on Sylvester, who is, a pro- is in the process of retiring from assassinating people. Question mark? There's lots of stupid scene of... Um, it, Maybe if this came from the president's secretary, it would be more grammatically correct, but he's a busy man (laughs) or woman. Sorry, female assassins. There's lots of stupid scene of the two trying to get the drop on each other and Banderas wearing baseball hats when he clearly has no idea how they works. Also, Julianne Moore is in it. The IMDB synopsis is a little more succinct. Professional hitman Robert Rath wants to fulfill a few more contracts before retiring, but unscrupulous, ambitious newcomer hitman Miguel Bane keeps killing Rath's targets. The shadows betray Robert Rath. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, so this film came out in 1995. It was directed by Richard Donner. Screenplay, the original screenplay was by the Wachowskis, completely rewritten by Brian Helgeland. The Wachowskis actually tried to get their names removed uh, after he rewrote the entire script. Uh, Richard Donner, of course, previously made a lot of hit movies. The Goonies, Superman, Lethal Weapon, The Omen. The film had a budget of $50 million, although $15 million of that went directly to Stallone. It co-stars Antonio Banderas and Julianne Moore, but they were fairly new to audiences at that time. They weren't really stars at the time, I would say. movie came out October 6, 1995. Opened on 2,343 screens, came in second place just behind the third week of seven. <laughs> Domestic gross was $30 million overall, again, against a production budget of $50 million. Has a score of 15 on Rotten Tomatoes, and Stallone was nominated for a Golden Raspberry, a.k.a. Razzie Award, for Worst Actor, along with Judge Dredd. It was a big year for him. Yeah. Uh, but he did lose to Polly Shore in Jury Duty. Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly had this to say, quote, Assassins has a few suspenseful confrontations, and that's a hard disagree on my part right there. But, he continues, to get to them, you have to wade through countless scenes of monosyllabic brooding, all shot in the kind of elegantly sterile beige and slate tones that suggest someone's half-baked idea of a minimalist thriller. Corky! What's up, sir? You and I, I, I would agree, we, we both enjoy a good Hitman movie. Yeah, give me some mindless entertainment. Mindless entertainment or mindful entertainment. The existential Hitman movie is sort of a subgenre as well. It's not I meant all just... mindless when like an assassin's bullet goes through someone's skull <laughs> when... and you see their brain <laughs> and splatter they, on the They wall. don't have a mind Mindless. Literally yeah, mindless. Yeah, right. I, I, that, that makes sense. Are you saving this film from taking a bullet? Are you pulling the trigger and putting it out of its misery? Well, uh, I think this is the proper time to announce that I've brought a cyanide capsule in my tooth, <laughs> pocketed away for this moment, because this movie is god-awful. Wow, is it bad? It's so fucking wow, bad. Wow, is it bad? It's kind of hilariously bad. It is. It, there are moments where it's like, it's not just horrible, mm -hmm. it's over two hours of horrible. Wow. It is, is it? a sit. Wow, is it? <laughs> yes, it is 132 minutes long. The story, honestly, would take 90 seconds to describe. It is so simple because it, no one really has any sort of motivation or anything like that. It's just a bunch of shit It's happening. a lot of just sitting in hotel rooms talking yeah. or just sort of a lot of sort of cat and mouse sort of chasing. Um, but yeah, this movie is really dumb. Mm -hmm. It's really silly. It's really cheesy. And yet it also is pretentious and long and slow and kind of full of itself and oh. it's sort of trying to be a thoughtful existential hitman thriller and is just laughably bad at it to the point that I kind of wish they had just gone all in and said, let's just make a fucking comedy. Let's uh, just make a comedy yeah. because it's half of a comedy already. I think what Banderas is doing is perfect for this movie. <laughs> it's perfect for... A movie. <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't know if it's perfect for this I just movie. mean to highlight like what how bad this movie how is. How insane it is. But yeah. I think this movie, it's very appropriate that Sylvester Stallone took the lion's share of the pay because this movie is Sylvester Stallone. Like you said, it's dumb, slow, not as good as it thinks it is, no. and overly pretentious and artsy about it. And really is, silly. Yes, you're right. Artsy and pretentious, and yet... There's nothing to back that up. Nothing. It, it kind of made me, it reminded me of Monuments Men in that way, in the fact that it was just so sort of full of itself. And yet, it's just the silliest damn thing you've ever seen. There's really no substance to it. Can at we all. can we just stop and break down that this movie exists in a world where hitmen <laughs> have rival hitmen? <laughs> And that and they, they they gun for the number one that's spot. That's just it. The president of the Assassinations Guild of Assassinations had it exactly right. Banderas' only only motivation here is to be, quote, the number one yeah. hitman. That's yeah. it. <laughs> no one's even motivated by money. There's a part where he says, I studied all your moves. <laughs> he studied, like, what? Like, are assassins, is that what you want to be known for, like, how you kill people? Yeah, everybody knows my moves. <laughs> I feel like if you were a really good assassin, you wouldn't have moves. Right, exactly. That people could telegraph. You're you not know? first off the board in the assassin <laughs> fantasy draft. You know what I mean? That's not a good hitman. Yes, this movie is absolutely ridiculous, but let's get into it. Let's go. Let's go. So we start off with the really like the artsiest, most pretentious part of the movie, which is this sort of black and white flashback that keeps coming back to it. 
which oh, yeah. it's black and white. There's all these shots of clocks. <laughs> there is always a sound of like a music box and a children's voice singing. I don't get it. Every time they flash back, <laughs> there is the music box and the children's voice. There's no children involved in this at all. There's not one child in this no. movie. But every time they flash back to this moment, always with the music box and the child's, the creepy child's voice. <laughs> so essentially a man is going into a bank. We can't really see his face. He comes out of the bank. He looks up. We see his eyes. There's somebody who is sort of preparing guns. In a window. Yeah. It's all this cutback between the guy who is on a perch waiting for this guy to come out of the bank and the guy who is in the bank. He comes out. He lifts up his head. He sees his eyes. And then there's a shot of birds flying away <laughs> instead of the gunshot. It's so dumb. But you know it's in the past because it's black and white, even though it's like 15 years and in the past. And there's like shots of clouds going by. <laughs> like, it's just so overwrought. Yeah, it's film school shit. It really is. So now we move into color and to what we assume is the present day. There's these shots of trees and there's two men just sort of walking through the mud. Yeah. One of the men who is has the gun and is leading another into the woods, presumably to kill him, we kind of figure that out pretty quickly, is Sylvester Stallone, who is playing Robert Rath. Yeah. Number one hitman, baby. <laughs> Top of the pops. <laughs> Number one with a bullet was too cliche. He didn't want that. He wants Top of the Pop because he's going to pop a cap in your ass. <laughs> and it's it's clear right away that he is your typical morose hitman. Oh, yeah. He he is never smiling. He is never reacting to anything. And yet you can kind of see maybe just a, a glimmer of, of compassion that is, is, is almost dead. You know Stallone saw Pulp Fiction was like, I want to be a hitman who is deep and introspective. There's yeah. more to me than just my killing. Yeah. And there's some talk. That the other guy we kind of figure out is another hitman. Yeah. Another rival hitman. <laughs> All these hitmen do is just kill other hitmen. It's hilarious. <laughs> So, <laughs> but the dialogue in this movie is so fucking bad because this other hitman is kind of expositing that Robert Rath has a code. He won't take out innocents. He won't kill like children. And he and the rival hitman is walking to his death. And says, "You and your principles, <laughs> your principles." <laughs> well, he's walking to be murdered. Right. That's just the thing. His principles. Do not include not killing your best friends no. because he does that multiple times. <laughs> these are these are inconsistent principles. I think we can agree on that. Hitman code. What are you going to do? So Robert Rath finally decides that he can't kill this other hitman. He's got to honor him. He lets him kill himself. He gives him a gun with one bullet holstered in the chamber. And he even calls him old friend. Yeah, right. It says old friend. But and this sets up the first of several times in this movie. Nobody cares about fingerprints. Maybe this is why everybody knows your moves. Because you, you do not wear gloves. You are not trying to hide. He hands him a gun with his fingerprints all over to shoot himself with. <laughs> Now, this cuts to a scene of basically Stallone just, like, moping around his apartment feeling bad. And it's shot with, like, the rain is coming down and it's dripping down the pane. And that's – you see his face and it's sort of like, the rain is crying for him, man, because he can't even gone cry cold. anymore. He's wondering why he got out of bed at all. <laughs> it, it's very clear that he wants out of the life. Yes. Right? It's very obvious. So – in the next scene, we're now introduced to the magical Hitman computer, yeah. which, again, this is 1995. This is, this is, yeah, this, this fucking galled me in this movie. <laughs> they, they, all of the Hitmen just have a computer that can connect to the internet anywhere they want do you at remember, any time. Do you remember in the 90s, before <laughs> people really understood how the internet worked or computers worked yes. in movies, they would just do some visuals that would pop up on a, like, they could make these graphics yeah. pop up on a computer. You knew computers couldn't do what they were making them do. Yeah, exactly. That's this movie. Exactly. It's just a random faceless person that you have to hack and has a code No, to you can tell to. that someone was just like, computers are a thing now. Put computers <laughs> in this. Have them talk through computers. And it's like, well, see, you need a, a, a you need a, and the, no, computers, computers. Computers, man. Computers do anything these days. The random faceless contractor asks him where he's been. He says he's been sick. He called out sick at Hitman work. <laughs> I've got the flu. He's like, I've got the flu. I can't kill people. <laughs> you know I got th five, six days in my Assassin's Guild. <laughs> so yeah, the Hitman computer really reminded me of the police box that everyone carries around in the snow. Oh, yes. Because it's just like this magical box that just does whatever you need to do in the scene. What it does is it advances the plot. It or it tries. Yeah. So he's offered one last job. One last Basically job. Basically one last job for 200000 
dollars. And it's funny because he's messaging back and forth with, with someone who is his handler, who we never see this person who's the handler, right? So they're right. messaging back and forth on this magical computer box. So he's he takes the job for $200,000. He prints out the picture of the person he's marking, circles their eyes. Puts it up against the rainy window. And then crosses out <laughs> his circle. Symbolism. So now we go to the funeral, and this is where he's going to take out uh, the contract. Reclusive billionaire Alan Branch. Yeah, and this is all explained to us by several reporters who are just at the funeral telling us who the person is. Because expository funeral reporters are a thing, <laughs> right? You, every funeral you've gone to. As as people are just wandering into the cemetery? Yes, definitely. <laughs> they, the, the reporter was literally following the pallbearers carrying the coffin <laughs> out of the car. But... Apparently, this person has ties to death squads, which just basically means don't feel bad about this guy getting killed. Right. Um, he's at his brother's funeral, who is who has just died, and and uh, real marathon man touch. <laughs> yes. Stallone's there. He's got a arm cast. He on. Has a cast on Everyone's his arm. dressed in black. Stallone is all white because he's the good guy, and he has this giant cast on his <laughs> arm. His arm is like five feet long. <laughs> And no one knows, like, no one's like, who's that guy with one gigantic arm in a cast? But even worse than that, Antonio Banderas, you see someone moving in the in the foreground, and you, you know something's up, because you've watched a movie before in your life. Yeah. But Antonio Banderas is literally, like, 30 feet away, hiding behind a tombstone, <laughs> with a rifle that's bigger than he is. I know. Stallone, you can tell he's getting ready to shoot, because he starts rubbing the end of his cast. <laughs> he's like... Like, no one can tell he has a gun under there. Yeah. It's just absurd. But anyway, uh, in, before he can kill the guy, before Robert Rath can kill the guy, Miguel Bain, that's the Banderas character, kills him instead. Yeah. Sneaks in, steals the contract, and this starts a firefight between, well, they... It's difficult to explain what happens in this scene because nobody acts in any sort of reasonable way. No. Everyone, it's very clear right away, like, if you're in this scene... It probably it's either that guy on the hill <laughs> with the who gun. is running away right now, or it's the guy with the five inch long cast who looks nobody completely knows. out of place in this funeral. <laughs> and yet everyone runs towards them at the same time. They run towards them. They get into a firefight where Banderas is hiding behind a tombstone. Yeah, they're both hiding behind tombstones. Stallone is like discreetly pummeling them. Stallone is somehow discreetly shooting him, <laughs> shooting at him. He's just like, he has a silencer on, but they're all just flying out of the end of his little, <laughs> of his pass nub. <laughs> meanwhile, the cops show up. Oh, oh, hold on, just, no, no, no. The Metro Police show up. The Metro the Police. The Metro Police. So, yeah, they, the Metro Police show up, and Bane decides to surrender. <laughs> Stallone is somehow able to just walk away. He has like a smoking cast. Yeah. There's smoke billowing out of his cast because he has been shooting people. He just wanders off into his car. The cops come and take Bane away and put him in the police car. Stallone starts tracking him because he has a police tracker and, again, can just show up anywhere he you wants You have to no idea why Stallone is doing this? Yeah. He's just mumbles He's just sort of, what is he <laughs> yeah. doing? He's just sort of confused as to who is this guy and why is he doing it? Why did he surrender? Why, 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 why? So we see Bane is in the back of a cop car speeding down the freeway. Bane dislocates his thumb right. and slips out of his handcuffs in the back, licks his hand, which I don't understand why he does this, kicks out the back window, reaches around the front window, <laughs> snaps the driving cop's neck with one hand. Yes, absolutely. And it's not the last time that he will leap out of a speeding vehicle. This is not he the time he tries. Yes, he tries to break the back window around the front window trick a couple times. And this is where we should really talk about the use of rear projection Ooh. in the driving scenes. Okay, so this is 1995. 1995. It is so chintzy and so cheesy looking. It really, it looks like a comedy. Yeah. Because every time everyone is driving, there's just a big shaky, like, cartoon background. The car is rocking, and then the camera is rocking <laughs> to try like, to recreate it's it. It's like right out of Car 54, where are you? <laughs> it like, it really is like something out of a sitcom in the I would expect Fred Gwynn to be sitting next to Stallone <laughs> driving that cab later on. So, this is maybe the most insane part of the movie coming up right it here. Makes it makes no, no sense. sense. None. Stallone... <sighs> So Bane escapes, right? 
He breaks the cop's neck. The cop car flips over. He kills the cop who's next. And then he, he knows immediately this was the best way to kill any other cops coming up. He lays in the cop car that's flipped over, snipes two cops driving up, yes, just like he drew it up at Assassin's School, Absolutely. baby. So he's able to escape. Stallone somehow tracks him to the city, whatever city this is supposed to be. Yeah. I don't even know. Metro City. Metro City. Whatever. Might as well have been called Gotham. It doesn't matter. He goes and steals a cab. Right. He basically assaults a cab driver, steals his cab, then picks up Bane? Yeah. He I, receives the call to pick up Bane. I rewound this twice because I was like, I missed something. I missed something. No. How we, no, they, no. They just didn't write that part in. It they just, just directly call that particular... He knew the exact cab that was going to get called. He it, goes and... Picks him up. He knew Bane would call a cab. Yes. And Bane just gets in his cab. Yep. And suddenly he drives away and he's got Bane in his cab. Bane is sitting in a way where he can see most of his face. Yeah. He does not recognize the man that he was having a firefight with just earlier that day. And the man he idolizes. The man that he idolizes. He studies all his studied moves. Studied all of his moves. <laughs> He knew exactly who he was. And yet they have this entire conversation where Bane has no clue that this is actually Robert Rath. And I, well, what I love about this is Stallone is really getting into the character of this cab driver because he's yes. arguing about, I'm not trying to jack you up on the cab fare, buddy. You think you, he's like getting offended by it. I love this part because you know, see Stallone working like, I'm going to get in the role of this cab driver. Probably needed three days of method training with cabbies around, <laughs> yeah, around Metro City. <laughs> But Bane is about to get out of the car, and he finally figures it out when he sees that the cab license has been removed. That's the tip-off. That's the tip-off. Yeah. Not his face and voice. (laughs) (laughs) And this is like a recurring theme where it's like, you should notice that, and there's three chances to notice it, and then they notice something no one would notice, and that's the tip-off. Like yeah. Later, there's a whole thing with jasmine perfume. That oh, that's into. the worst. That is the worst part. So they draw down on each other at the same time. Bane with his gun that's three sizes too big. Yes. Wrath with his twenty-two with the silencer, and they're pointing at each other through bulletproof glass. Right, and they have a little Mexican standoff. Yeah. Bane threatens to kill a bunch of children. Right. Unless he drives off with him in the back. So, so we kind of see that... His uh, the wrath's principles the, no don't apply to uh, and Bane's to Bane. psycho. He likes he's completely psycho. Just He'll just kill people just to kill them. But he does say he idolizes them. He starts calling him Bobby. And Banderas is all quirk and tick in this performance. Oh boy, does he go over the top? Oh man, I, and I mean this is Antonio Banderas we're talking about. That's why when he, when I said he licked his hand earlier, I was like, I don't know why he did that. Now I'm like, oh, I know totally why he did that. Because yeah. Banderas was like, let me lick things. Just Nick Cage craziness yes. in a vacuum. Uh, oh, Banderas pulls the the break out the back he window. He once again leaps out of a speeding car. Yeah. And they have a firefight in the car, essentially, yeah. where Banderas is leaning out of the back but shooting into the front. And Stallone is shooting him. And they're yeah. two feet away, missing, because these are the best hitmen in the world. Right, exactly. The, though the close quarters hitmen shootouts were the, my favorite part of this movie, just because I like the tension of that. that yeah, it was a good idea. If the, if, yeah, exactly. If it's there was any well moment of tension in this movie, that was it. Yeah, and they have a whole thing where... He's leaning out the window, and then Stallone slams him into a bus, yeah. and they're fighting, and they drop their guns. They both lose their guns. The Metro Police noticed this, because the, that's the Metro's <laughs> finest. They noticed this, and they start tailing him, and this is where you really see bad rear projection. Oh, my God. Because yes. you have several cars of it now. Yeah. They even do a zoom out of the rear projection. It's really, really fucking bad. But. I'm glad the Metro Police were on this because you don't want the town sheriffs, <laughs> and you don't want you don't want the bird constables on it. And he specifically says that he wants to be quote number one, number one. Like, what the fuck does that do? Like, what do you get with being number one? Yeah, exactly. Right. What do you get with that? There's no rankings. There's no nothing. It's all. Just, Is there a bullet of the month club you get entered into as number one? They're like, <laughs> you get that playoff. Bonus. You get playoff bonus. Yes. I mean, the I, God, we should say the dialogue in this movie. It's is it's atrocious. the worst. Atrocious. There are just. It's just like someone just said, take words, <laughs> put them in some kind of sequence that roughly approximates a sentence that a human would say. Yeah, doesn't matter any of the content. It is complete nonsense. At one point, Antonio Banderas says that in order to kill a woman, you have to pull the trigger different. 
What? That that's nothing. That's nothing. <laughs> my favorite line. It's coming up. The woman's intuition line. The women writing. Woman writing in this oh movie is amazing. God, it's great. But they, they also get a reference to Tashlinkov. Some Russian name Tashlinkov is brought up at this moment. Right. Yeah. There's some some kind of thing with a Russian friend. So we're at 40 minutes into this movie. There's yeah. been some cat and mouse. There's been a lot of artsy, pretentious hitman scenes. Yeah. And I wrote down. Fuck, we still have to meet There's Julianne Moore. Even, yeah, we haven't even started the plot of yeah, this Yeah, exactly. Thing still just all setting up. So Banderas is able to, once again, leap out of a speeding vehicle, gets away. He, like, rolls under a semi or something like He's that. He's superhuman it's, in it's this movie. It's nonsense. He yeah. survives several falls. He just leaps out, and everyone just gets away. So now Stallone goes back to his mopey apartment. Yep. And he pulls up on his computer. Well, first of all, he puts on glasses because he's getting serious. <laughs> That's when you know Rath is serious. <laughs> That's when he's getting, he will constantly put on glasses. My wife was like, he needs his glasses a lot for a hitman. <laughs> like, is, is that just to look at the screen? <laughs> you know, like, I, w- I wish there was a hitman's lens crafters now, just like doing studies. Like They just see if you can see people from two blocks away from a perch. So he's getting serious. So he puts on his glasses and he loads up this online chess game. Fuck. <laughs> this is, this is, he goes through all the moves of the game, and we can kind of—it's pretty obvious to figure out that this is a game that he played with Nikolai Tzinkov or whatever. His name's like Nikolai. Yeah. So Nikolai was an old hitman buddy of his. <laughs> And it's pretty obvious that Nikolai is the guy who got iced in the opening scene of the movie. Yeah, and it's getting clearer and clearer that Stallone was the one who did it. Yeah, and it's that not he's, out yet. It's not, but it's pretty goddamn obvious. But this is this is when the fucking <laughs> Stallone's monologuing really goes up to one hundred because he's watching chess moves on this computer, saying things like, "Yeah, I remember that one." <laughs> oh, that was a great move. <laughs> when you watch a rook move, okay. <laughs> oh, twenty years later, I still remember this game. Wow. <laughs> What a bishop! What a bishop to queen six. That's amazing. <laughs> what the fuck? I know he's just like fondly remembering this game, and the game stops in 1980. Right, and so again, that's da 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 da. So, but Stallone is really finally out this time, until the faceless contract. Yeah, says, the magic computer contacts him again and says. A $2 million contract. A bunch. $2 million, which I guess would be enough for him to retire, but that's never really explicitly mentioned that he needs money to retire. No. There's no sick mother. There's no nothing. He just got a contract for 200000 freaking dollars. Yeah, right. But anyway, he also mentions Bane, I think, here, and, and the person on the other end feigns uh, knowing who this person know. is. I don't know who that yeah. is. His assignment is some Dutchmen and obviously some Seattle intelligence surveillance expert. A surveillance expert slash info thief. So you know it's Julianne Moore. Yeah. But she's a ghost. She's a ghost. And nobody nobody knows who she is except the one thing that we know about her. We don't have any pictures. Yeah. All we have is her, quote, internet logo. Yeah. Which is, of course, eyes, because eyes, everything in this movie, eyes. So it's cat's eyes. Cat's eyes. With her email address, Meow at comsat dot cat. <laughs> like this is a, <laughs> the cluelessness on how computers. They work had no idea how the internet worked. <laughs> is this how it works? Okay, so uh, kitty at meow meow backslash uh, gimme kibble uh, dot uh, per. You log on to the catternet. <laughs> It's run by cats. This whole thing about she's only known by her internet logo. Yeah. Which has her email address on it. <laughs> As we can see, she's not very good at being a Counter ghost. Counter-surveillance, a ghost. right. Uh, but the, Stallone does this thing that actually comes back. When he sees the cat eyes on the screen of his computer, he puts his fingers up and touches them and strokes them like humans do. Absolutely. A- every one of you listening to this right now has touched a computer screen to stroke the image the of someone wistfully. It's the moment where someone shuts a door in a movie and someone turns around and falls back into the door like, oh, like swooning. into That never happens. Nobody's ever washed their face and looked in the mirror and truly seen themselves so we now cut to get introduced to julianne moore who we see as a cat lady she has a cat she is a surveillance expert which means she's installed hidden cameras on all of her neighbors yeah rooms everyone in her apartment she's put a camera immediately in all of their rooms and is just watching it right watching it and it's supposed to be like a kind of quirky thing like look how quirky she is look how she lives outside of the norm then it's like 
Wow, what a creepy yeah, fucking thing Yeah, what a fucking awful person. Like, what a garbage person. But anyway, she's just watching her neighbors I felt fight so bad for Julianne Moore in this movie. She's so above this. Oh, my God. And she looks so good. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, we grew up in the 90s, so the whole jean shorts Ooh. with nylons underneath really Later did something on, she wears like a white t-shirt cutoff kind of a thing. It's just like, I mean, give me a break. <laughs> you distracted me with Julianne Moore. <laughs> so, Julianne Moore... Is negotiating a deal with the Dutch Bros. The Dutch buyers, yeah, yeah. the Dutch buyers. I started so, calling them Dutch Bros. Just get some Dutch Bros. coffee. And you want to know something that's on the nose? There, we're listening. This is our first music swell in the movie. The Rolling Stones are singing "Like a Rolling Stone" by Bob oh, Dylan, my God, which right. actually comes back later. But if the movie's just saying like, "Yeah, hey, we're corny and on the nose," <laughs> boom, there's a touch. So her Dutch buyers arrive, and she essentially directs them to the Marriott Hotel. There's a lot of really big product placement going on in this movie. Oh, and Julianne Moore loves her cat. Oh, boy, does she love <laughs> she her cat. She loves her cat, Pearl. That will come back. She brought her cat with her to make this transaction. <sighs> That's not the only thing she brought, though. <laughs> we'll get into it. But she essentially is leading her Dutch buyers into this hotel room at the Marriott where through like she'll direct them to a courtesy phone and then in the phone will be a key and them in the hotel and she puts them in a hotel room but she's in another hotel room yeah in the phone book there's and she's a, working yeah. on this whole thing meanwhile both Miguel Bain and uh, Robert Rath have come to the hotel they somehow figured this out I don't yeah. have no fucking we idea. still have an hour 40 minutes left in this fucking movie oh my god yes so Bain is in the elevator and he's just tracking everybody up to the floor right the, these four Stop. Dutch guys are the most obvious they are the bad guys from Die Hard they are the most <laughs> obvious hilarious. we are hitmen bad guys in the mo- in the world Stallone goes to the hotel computer <laughs> <laughs> he finds an empty desk. He yep. goes to the hotel computer and is trying to figure out he's trying to figure out her room through like room service orders. Figure out who has several rooms. And eventually he he finds a room service order for tuna and is like tuna cat. Tuna cat. And he figures it out that that's her room. Meanwhile, but he's the hilarious a banana. Oh my god! Oh my god! He finds a banana on the desk. He just starts eating this banana very casually. He's like, okay, coffee. Coffee. I don't know. If you had told me that Sylvester Stallone had never heard of or seen a banana <laughs> until five seconds before they called action, I would believe you. He handles it as though it is just like it's a little piece of like alien moon dust or something. Yeah. He's, it, oh my god. He Someone got... talking while eating a banana is disgusting just on principle, but Sylvester Stallone doing it feels pornographic in it's some way. It's bizarre. It's like yeah, David Attenborough should have been narrating that. There's a lot of hokey computer shit with her doing a cat and mouse leading the Dutch Bros to a room. To, and there's like a robot that she has that goes between the ventilation systems of rooms, but like it makes no sense how this hotel is set up. I how mean, the fuck I did the she Marriott set that up? It, it just make, that makes no sense. Right. No sense. But guess who's there? Oh. Miguel Bain. Of course. He's walking down a hallway, and there's a couple making out, and there's a, a little housekeeper, and Miguel Bain just shoots him out of nowhere, and you're like, holy fuck, he's just shooting random innocents. Yeah, but they, he, they have guns on them, too. But come to find out they're Interpol. And he, <laughs> because he actually picks up one of their badges and says, Interpol. Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> That's that is true. a direct quote from the film. That's true. <laughs> that is a direct he throws a lot of that in. Everybody always just mumbles plot information to themselves. Stallone is the the best at it. So Bane, yeah, he gets into the hotel room. He kills all of the Dutch. They find out they're all Interpol, and they were all here to bust Julianne Moore, essentially, for selling this this disc, this information that she has. yeah. Bane is sort of taunting Wrath over this like communicator that they right. have between rooms, and he's telling him, "Shoot, shoot Julianne Moore. Shoot yeah. Cat's Eye at dot Catnet dot." Yeah, she has no name yet. Cat. Yeah, no name yet. Just redhead cat lady. What I love about that is he's like kind of goading him into killing Julianne Moore. He's like a hitman hype man. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he's like the flavor flavor. Like, Come on, do it. <laughs> do you it. got this. Come on, man. You can do it. Look her in the eyes when you do it. But. Of course, it's Robert Rath, so he has principles. So in- instead, he takes off with Julianne Moore. He shoots a pillow that's right next to her. Uh-huh. They take off. Bane comes into that room. This is the fucking amazing. Bane comes into that room, looks around for her body, sees it's not there, and susses out when he sees the bullet hole in the pillow that he didn't actually kill her. He walks over there, picks up a feather from that pillow, 
and blows it in the air like a magician who just completed a trick. <laughs> Banderas is going for it in every movement. This is yeah, it's completely insane. So we mentioned that Julianne Moore brought her cat yeah. to this deal, which turned out to be a really big deal, right? You're right, yeah. I mean, this is something she had to spend weeks setting up. She did not travel to a different city to make this deal. No. Nope. It's happening at a hotel in the city that she lives in. In Seattle. So first of all, she brought her cat. Yeah. <laughs> Why? It's a hotel. She also brought spray paint because she spray painted that woman in the she elevator. She spray paint. Just random shit. But here's the thing. Not only did she bring the cat, she brought pictures of the cat. That's right. That she took in front of her house. That's right. She brought pictures of her cat and then consciously was like, I'm taking these out of my pocket and I'm just going to lay them here. Holy fuck. <laughs> like she brought pictures of her cat. That That's why everyone shows up at her house because she's carrying around pictures of her house. This is a woman who has no social security number. Yeah, right. Oh, that's, she has no driver's license. Right. She is a complete off-the-grid ghost. She doesn't even have a name, but she carries pictures of her house <laughs> to an illegal criminal deal. A house that she uses her real address on at her pet supply company that she goes to. For a ghost, she is very prone to leaving evidence around. This is someone with no driver's license, no social security, who uses her real address and information at her pet supply company. Because that's how Wrath tracks her down. <laughs> Stallone finds a, a bag in her car with the pet company that she goes to. Oh my god. Goes there and they give him her address. <laughs> of course. Yeah, so she gives him the slip, but he saves the cat. He, again, she's literally so much, save the cat so much evidence lying around. Uh, everyone arrives at her home at the same time. Right. Uh, Rath has this whole thing where he will like sneak up on her and grab her when he thinks that it's, it's going to be Bane. And yeah. he's the one who grabs her. It's like, that's a little aggressive. But Bane shows up on the screen of the people that she usually watches at just the opportune moment that the dialogue needs him to. Yes. They're standing in front of the screen where, and then he just, his face pops up in front of it. You fucking bitch. So Stallone is able to say, get out of here. He says, meet me at the pet shop. (laughs) Meet me at the pet shop. So Stallone and Banderas are now stalking each other through the house. This entire scene that takes place at her house, there is a Portishead song playing. Okay. It's that big that song that was big in 1994. Nobody loves exactly. Me. The thing is, this whole sequence goes on for like 10 minutes. It keeps cutting away to things that are happening outside of the apartment. Yeah. Every time we go back to the apartment, the song is playing. At the same spot? <laughs> it's just playing. <laughs> just like, actually, she has this song on a loop. And this happens several <laughs> times in the movie where you're like, this song should not still be playing. It right. makes no sense. <laughs> Big Portishead fan. <laughs> so Wrath, there's a lot of cat and mouse through this apartment. Wrath blows Bane out a fourth story window. Well, first of all, because this is going to come up okay. many times, Bane is in her bathroom and he finds her perfume and he sprays it up in the air and he sniffs and he goes, Jasmine. I missed that part. Okay. Yeah. He okay. Spray, it's Jasmine because this is going to come back, her smell. Julianne Moore has run off to go to the pet shop, but she sees that her neighbor is coming back home. The woman who was fighting with her boyfriend earlier, the boyfriend's already been killed by Bane. So she chases her friend back to the house. So that Julianne Moore winds up back at the house. This starts a whole kind of like a little dialogue between Wrath and Bane where Bane says, today's my birthday. Yeah. Today I become number one. And then he grabs some sort of present that is just lying around and says, this is my present. And, and starts unwrapping <laughs> And then is disappointed by what's in it. Yes. I couldn't get what the fuck was happening with it that. It was just nonsense. So he just starts monologuing and basically giving Stallone enough time to set a trap for him. Yeah. Stallone does the classic cut the gas thing, lead a line going out. Of alcohol. Yeah, and then pff, hits it and says, happy birthday, asshole. Bane gets blown out a fourth-story window. Oh, but he shields himself by a table, <laughs> he, he by a kitchen table. What would have taken about 15 seconds to stop, turn around, pick up a large table, swivel around again, adjust the table so it is blocking the flames. The table blocks the flames and just blows him out the window. But I got to say, great. Uh, <laughs> table saved you from explosion. The fall? You'll buy that. <laughs> the fall that you'll onto buy. your back from four stories to up? Well, he has some scratches later. 
<laughs> but yeah, he's able to get away. Stallone I would have loved to see a slow motion shot on. of him assembling a table in midair to land on. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to read Ikea pieces. <laughs> Who's got an Allen wrench? I need it. <laughs> so this is where now... Rath and Elector are at some motel. This is just this, dead air. Oh my god! There's so much of this. It's such they're a, in a hotel room together. It's a lot of Stallone and the cat. And it's obviously a, a on a movie set a, mm. in a studio. It's so bad. It's so cheap. But Stallone is petting her cat while talking to. I hate when people do this when they talk to you through their animals. What's what she saying to us? You know, like that. But he literally talks to the cat and says. What's that? <laughs> That's magic. Stallone That's just magic. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes on set you catch magic. But this know. is when Julianne Moore, I fucking the dialogue in this movie. Oh. I don't have a social security number, driver's license. I can barely remember my own name. Next line, I just want my life back. <laughs> you you forgot. You don't have one. <laughs> yeah. Also, what are you talking about? Do you just not have a social security number because you forgot it? <laughs> like, wasn't that was a conscious choice, right? Like, you didn't just forget your driver's license somewhere, did you? What life back do you want? You don't go to work. No. You like, you don't have friends at the library. All the neighbors that you were spying on are dead. <laughs> we also uh, find out her name, I guess her yeah. name is Electra. Call, you can call me Electra. <laughs> Why not? Why not? So we cut to Bane, who is recuperating. He's got some scratches on his face. He's a little like, ah. He's man. in a bathtub on a computer, Ow. as you do. Yeah, he's, in, he's on a computer. When we find out he has a magic computer, too. Yep. And he's talking with, obviously, same the font. same person. It's the same person, because they say something that they had said earlier about it's not nice to a talk way to, a to treat a lady, like, yeah. so you assume it's a lady. But What a doodle that is. Yeah, right. <laughs> So now this all becomes, as a lot of thrillers in the 90s were, about a chase for a disc. Yeah. It's just a disc that has names on it, and everybody wants the disc. And it's a real big deal that there's this disc out there, and they got the disc, and everyone wants the disc. Then we cut back to Stallone and Moore in the motel. <laughs> we keep this doing is a, that. This yeah. is a motel. It's obviously a motel, because like out the window is the parking lot. That's not a hotel thing. That's a motel thing. She's flossing. And I'm like... No motels provide floss. <laughs> motels b- provide barely anything. <laughs> She's like, so she brought pictures of her cat and her home. She brought her cat. She brought floss, yeah. spray paint. She brought everything she needed to, to pull off a giant uh, information heist. Absolutely. <laughs> There's also mints on your pillow at a motel. I would not eat any mint left on a pillow at a motel. So they make a deal with the person on the other end of the magic computer that they're going to give up the disc in exchange for a shit ton of money. He gets on the monorail with like his magic computer and then gets off at a station and then there's some sort of exchange of magic computers. Like He, he just meets like, somebody on the Seattle Center monorail yeah. for a, a briefcase full of money right? and then gets off. Somehow the monorail stops mid Span and he gets off on one of the he pulls rails. the emergency brake. Oh, he did that. Okay, and leaps I out it. to escape You're with right. this thing. So he was given a suitcase, presumably full of money. I, I think this is for the two million dollars. Yes, he get and he gets in the car with Julianne Moore, and he's got the suitcase. And as soon as he gets in there, it makes some kind of crazy noise, and he. Instantly susses out that it's a bomb because he's like, get off the streets, get off the streets, get into the alleyway, get into the alleyway, and then throws it into a, a dumpster and they drive away and it explodes in the dumpster. Absolutely. He somehow just instinctively knew, shook, like, shook the case <laughs> and was like, this thing's got like 40 seconds left, let's go. <laughs> and also, if you've been on Seattle Center Monorail, a briefcase of two million maybe get you into the Mopop twice, that's about it. Place is expensive, that's what I'm saying. Seattle, up your game. But Electra... Let's him know, hey, we, I, I gave you a fake disc, so we still have the real disc. We didn't get the money, but we still have the disc because the money was a bomb. She clues him in that, hey, your contractor set you up. He's trying to kill you, which Salome, being the number one hitman in the world, could not suss that out. <laughs> Even though he's calling him a son of a bitch under his breath the whole time. She does say, though, that we got nada, zip. Zilch Zero Dry Hump, which is now my new slang for nothing. I love it. it. That's the new way to say it. So they contact their guy again. This time they sell the disc for $20 million. Right, yeah. Because they figure they must really want this thing if, you know, they're going to try to trick us like that. We still have the disc. We'll sell it for $20 million. She gave him a blank disc or something like that. Miguel gets contracted, contacted through his magic laptop. 
He gets a new contract, and this time it is Robert Rath. And this is the one notable thing from this movie because this is the famous Banderas meme, the satisfied Banderas, where he looks at a computer, <laughs> then leans back and kisses his fist. But the meme cuts out before he d- he finishes the scene because he goes several <laughs> more emotions in that scene. So now Electra and Robert go to Puerto Rico. We're just somewhere in another country. Yeah, they're just in Puerto Rico now. They wander up. There's an abandoned hotel, and we it's they come out of the cab, and they're at this abandoned mo- hotel that has been burned down. They go into the hotel, and we kind of figure out, okay, this was the scene of the crime from the flashback that started the film. Of- as they're yeah, as they're walking through the plaza, Stallone just kind of fixates on this hotel per this balcony like charlie babbitt like he just cannot stop (laughs) they go up in there and it's obviously the casa de oswald this is this is the sniper's hotel this is his book depository (laughs) so electra figures out that the russian friend that he had been talking about earlier during one of their endless hotel room conversations is the guy that he killed and it was from this spot and they go up to the window where he shot his friend Nikolai from. And he has this long monologue where he essentially says, Bane is going to recreate history and do it in exactly the same way that he did it. Because I guess this is like some historic fucking hit. This is the way the number two hitman in the world becomes the number one. You have to take him down in the most famous assassination in hitman history. Right. That's just so dumb. <laughs> Oh, my God. So they're waiting it out in the next day. They have this plan, uh, Electra and Robert. There's a Day of the Dead celebration is going on because, of course, it is. Right. And some uh, some s- random hotel guest explains the plot of Coco to Julianne Moore. <laughs> <laughs> and we should say Julianne Moore is not taking this shit seriously. No! She orders from room service. Yes! Like, you really should be keeping a low profile. It's like, how do you even ordering from room service? You don't even have a credit card. You've seen and been part of dozens being murdered. You've seen it. People were shooting at you. Whatever life you led in Seattle is done once the cops get there and find that you've been watching all your neighbors. (laughs) She is... Just dressed in a white dress to order in room service. Yeah, and she wants to go out and participate in the Day of the Dead celebration. So much Sounds so like she, a hoot. she doesn't tell the guy protecting her yes. that He's she's like, going to go do it. No, we're not doing that. And then she slips out. She climbs a fire escape. Yeah. And of course, who does she see in the cemetery? But it's Bane. I love that there is a bit, though, where the movie kind of owns that how annoying Banderas is because he's just talking to these two women at the Day of the Dead thing, selling stuff. And he's totally like, they're like, this fucking crazy American just won't shut up. <laughs> yeah, he talks to them in English as though he, he doesn't know Spanish. Yeah. And is just talking about how great it is to kill people. He's really bragging about he's killing. He's really into it. He's like, and I'm the best. He's around the, at, at the Day of the Dead, though. You've really got to feel like, this is what I do it for. Yeah, right. This, this is the reason for the season. This is it. This is it. <laughs> She sees Bane. He sees her. His eyes go up and he sees her and he starts pursuing through the crowd. Although uh, apparently he can't see her. This is the weird thing about Bane. He is both has amazing senses and is blind as a fucking bat. Once he knows what he's looking for, can't. Can't find it. Yeah. So he sees her and starts tracking her through the crowd. And he's like, Jasmine. 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 Because he smells the jasmine. Here's the thing. Her entire fucking apartment blew up. When the fuck did she grab her jasmine perfume out of there? <laughs> she probably still had it with her on with the floss, the spray paint. She just secrete jasmine flowers or what the fuck is going on? But anyway, then he's like stops in front of a big pile of jasmine and is like, there's jasmine everywhere. Of course it wasn't her. And it's whoopsie like, doodle. No, of course it is her. It's like she's the one you're pursuing. Like this is why you're here. The white redhead, the American that you follow, that's probably her. Yeah, like that's. But this again, you is saw when, her face, <laughs> and you know you're here to get like, like there's the one. Fuck, so this is again is when uh, Stallone does the surprise. I'll grab you out of nowhere yeah, thing, right. and it's so obvious. Moore did not like Stallone touching her. Oh, gross! Yeah, yeah. He, their flirtation is really gross. It's too. really bad. Apparently, in the original script, their love story is a lot more prominent. But I think everyone was just like this. No, gross. Yeah. Why do they like each other? So now we're on the morning of their big heist. I should say highlight of the movie, Julianne Moore wearing braids. Mm. Oh my goodness. But before that, they're on a bed 
Well, Stallone's Gross. Stallone's not on the bed <laughs> as much as he is knees on the ground, leaning over the bed, typing on the computer. This was my favorite Stallone on a computer scene. It's at one hour thirty five minutes and thirty seconds. His hand, his fingers are on home keys. He types H J A D H J A D and monologues that he's this long sentence. His fingers do not move from those keys. Yeah. It is the performance of a lifetime. There's a scene earlier that I forgot to mention where he's on the computer. And it's one of his scenes where he's very serious because he's wearing his glasses. And he actually has sort of one hand up to his temple in a sort of like, I'm really like, really like, like kind of fraught with anxiety or, you know, sort of like I'm, I'm really conflicted. Yeah. And he's typing just with one hand. <laughs> just like tap, 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 tap. tap. <laughs> so kind of hilarious. And and again, it's 1995. What Mexican hotel has Wi-Fi that you can log? <laughs> it's you don't magic computer. You bring your own shit at that time. Ah, the computers can do anything, can't they? So Bane is up in the hotel room. As He's already there, just as we predicted. Baseball cap on backwards. Wrath goes. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he puts his baseball to get his hair out of his eyes. Sure, like, he plays with his hair so much in this movie. It's gross. Stallone goes into the bank. Because he's going to do this gigantic transaction for $20 million. So he's, the, this transaction is happening through the bank. He's going to give the disc to the bank, and they're going to give him $20 million. Let's, let's break down this $20 million. No when, we, when we get to this, let's break down this $20 million transaction. Yes, absolutely. Julianne Moore is on the plaza sort of watching. With her braids. With her braids. Pippi Longstocking Doubt. Yes. Um, Say that there were anybody in a sniper perch who was trained as the number two hitman in the world. And she keeps like leaning over and like checking on him in the <laughs> hotel room too. It's <laughs> great. But Stallone goes into the bank and he knows that this transaction is going to take all day. So Bane has to just sit up on the perch and he knows he's not going to shoot him when he goes in because he's going to wait for the prime shot. So when you come out and you see somebody's eyes and he's that's He's got to recreate it, man. He has to recreate it exactly because he's a fucking assassination buff. Yeah. That's his whole deal. And he knows inherently because he's seen the same flashbacks we have that Nikolai <laughs> looked up. He knows this. Well, this is, I mean, come on. This is legendary Hitman. <laughs> oh, yeah. He heard the Hitman tales yeah. on the campfire. <laughs> this is first day of Academy. This is what they teach you. <laughs> so they're essentially sweating him out because it's a super hot day. Literally. Sun is in his eyes, and they're checking on him. This, this deal is taking forever. Finally, Bane gets impatient and runs out of the room and runs into the bank. Julianne Moore, this is her chance to run into the hotel now grab the gun that they know for some reason that he will stash there, even though this isn't part of the history buff recreation. And he's carried that like gun that. with him every other scene. Every way he's got, but this time he's going to go and, and not carry it. So she runs into the hotel, and Banderas goes into the bank, and they have a really long conversation while she tries to get the rifle. As she's doing it, because women can't do anything... <laughs> She falls through the floor and gets stuck in the floor. It's Money Pit. It's Tom Hanks from Money Pit stuck so in a floor. It is crazy slapstick. She's in the floor and she's just like stuck. Like, <laughs> she can't fucking get out of the floor. Meanwhile, in radio communication with Stallone in the bank, I'm stuck in the floor. I, Stallone never was like, what? What the fuck are you doing? What? What, yes. do you, what does that mean? I know. So Bane and Wrath finish their conversation. Bane is like, all right, going back to the hotel yeah. room to kill you. I, was, I just said it was a break. It was a 10-minute break. The guild gives it to me. Is there no back entrance to this fucking bank? What the fuck? Can we, can we now break down yeah. this 20 million break transaction? Break it down. Okay. 20 million transaction. They say that the bank is going to take some for a transaction. Like That's brought up several times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns out it's going to be 16 million. You don't just show up. To a bank the day you want the money and being like, do you have $160,000, $100 bills? Because he's demanding it in U.S. currency. The bank was is like, you got to give me four hours. <laughs> it's going to take a little while. It's going to take a little while. I was wondering. I'm like, please, God, in, in as ridiculous as this movie is, do not just give it to him in a satchel. Do not just give him $16 million. So I looked it up. $16 million in $100 bills mm. would weigh 352 pounds sure. and be 17 and a half yards high. <laughs> you need 
a truck (laughs) to take $16 million out. Duffel bag. Yeah. And you need several days (laughs) to make this transaction. They should have just given him like sacks with dollar signs on it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) An IOU. That's as good as $16 million, sir. So she's stuck in the floor. Bane runs back to the apartment. Right. She sort of hides herself with a mattress. She grabs some mattress that's lying around and pulls it over herself because she's still stuck in the fucking floor. Because now Bane cannot smell jasmine at all. And he can't see that a mattress has moved. He just doesn't really notice things. He's he not steps big on, noticing. on her, right? He, he just like steps step- right fucking on her. And he's ready to shoot. Uh, well, Stallone is kind of, he has lost communication and she can't say anything because, you know, she's underneath a mattress and right. hiding. He's wait, uh, Bane is waiting for Wrath to come out. Wrath is sort of like, where are you? Where are you? He's getting worried. He's getting worried. This is the point this movie has been building to and it's trying to make the most tense, suspenseful moment in this movie. Yeah. So it's all kind of building up. Like, what's going to happen? Is Stallone going to come out? Is he going to come out? What's happening? He walks out. He looks up. They lock eyes. For several minutes, (laughs) several minutes, they lock eyes. They're staring at each other. And just before Bane is going to shoot, sniffs the air and says, Jasmine. (laughs) At which point, Julianne Moore shoots him. (laughs) And Stallone runs runs in to save Julianne Moore. Wrath again sneaks up on her when she thinks it's going to be Bane. They're about to go out together. They're about to escape. Bane is... I mean, this just makes no sense. His hesitation is hilarious because he he is murdering everybody without even half of a second thought. But yeah. like when it comes to the thing that is like the entire thing, he he really hesitates a lot. He is like over them somehow. He's yeah, like a it's... floor over them. They walk under. They drip blood. He drips blood on them. At this point, he's, he's he could fallen, pull the trigger. <laughs> he's fallen through six floors in this rickety ass hotel. Yeah, that's right. Or no, did that happen? No, that happened then because. She shoots him and he stumbles around and no, falls. No, no, this is where it falls for the floor. Oh. Yeah. He has been shot. He's on the floor. Uh, as they go under the floor underneath them, gotcha. he is kind of hovering over them, ready to strike from the floor above through like a hole in the floor. Right. Instead, he drips blood on them. They look at their hand. They're like, blood? The ghost has gone out. Must be Miguel. Does a 180 and then shoots him, at which point Miguel falls through about six floors of this ridiculously uh, broken down old That's why hotel. you're number two, Miguel. I'm <laughs> sorry. Why, I, yeah, I, you really you want the number one. So now, here's yeah. the big twist uh, of the movie. Another assassin pops into the frame. It, it appears that Bane, I think it's Bane has the drop on, on them and is about to get them and get shot again. And you're like, who is this third guy? And who is it? It's Nikolai. Yeah. Nikolai did not die in the famous assassination attempt of 1980 that okay. we all heard about. Let's break this down. Oh, bit. my God. So he, he almost literally pulls a mask off and yeah. he's like, you meddling assassins. I yeah. would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you. Well, he says his line, no way to treat a lady. Yeah. So like, that's oh, you know. that's the, the guy tip. from the magic computer. This movie's full of secret oh, people doing secret things, but with panache enough to reckon, be instantly recognizable. Yeah. Why? Okay. So why did Stallone think he murdered him? I have. Uh, the, how did he survive? there was survive? no body, right? Yeah. Well, it's explained that he was wearing a bulletproof plate over his heart because Stallone's trademark is to always shoot people in the heart. And he said it was so predictable. Crazy thought. That's bad assassinating. Right? You don't get to, to shoot people one. in the same place every fucking time. It gets a little predictable. It really does. And so, yeah, that's how he survived. But then, like, why did everyone think he was dead? Dead? What? The the, the cover-up that would have to happen, and then for him to re-rise up back as, like, the kingpin of the assassination industry. contractor. It's just, it's complete nonsense. His explanation also, Stallone is like, well, why? Why did you fake your own, like, what? Yeah. His explanation, the Cold War was ending. Right. In 1980? (laughs) Look, I'm not a history buff, but no, it wasn't. (laughs) It actually got ramped up (laughs) quite a bit. It was getting a little frosty in there. The next U.S. president fucking doubled down on that shit. Just fucking insane. So Nikolai is going to kill Bane or both of them? No, he, uh, Stallone sees Bane's eyes flutter, so he knows he's not dead. Right, right, right. And they decide at the same time because they are... Let's take out Nikolai. Yeah. <laughs> Banderas does a thing where he shoots between his legs. <laughs> 
Banderas is dying and cannot help but go for Quirk. I know, it's great. They just plug Nikolai full of holes. So they kill Nikolai. Uh, Bane actually shoots him in the head because he wants to make sure. Yeah. Like Wrath. Who Which just shoots probably. People in heart. I mean. He, <laughs> I think he took number one right there. <laughs> I think he, that was it. He took out uh, Tishlinkov. So now there's a Mexican standoff. This the three thousandth Mexican standoff of the movie. This time between Bane and Wrath. And this is Rath when is like, okay, this is the my the dialogue is just uh, just like what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> they're pointing guns at each other. Bane and Wrath. They've just killed Nikolai. They're pointing guns, and they could totally walk away. They could be done, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's Julie, what Wrath wants. Yes, that's what they're pointing guns at each other. About to kill. And Julianne Moore says, "Don't." Right? She says, "Don't." <laughs> Stallone says. Female intuition. <laughs> That's literally what? not what female intuition what? is. She just <laughs> says, don't kill He's each other. So Wrath wants to walk away. Bane, you know, he's not sure. Wrath says that he's quitting. At which point Bane says, that would make me number one. And turns to go away. They both turn to go their separate ways. But, oh, wouldn't you know it? Bane lifts his gun and says, as long as you're out there, I will never be number one. Yeah. Again, this is the entire motivation for his character. There is no family backstory. There is nothing about money or about power or anything else. His only motivation is to be the best hitman in the world. And it's also with with Wrath, that's the only person Miguel announces he's going to kill before he kills them. <laughs> Every other person he just, ran, just ruthlessly <laughs> shoots. With This is the second time in the cab was the first time. And right now... I have to kill you now, and now I'm pointing my gun at you very slowly. I'm yeah. about to kill you. He's ready to kill him, but Julianne Moore... Here's a quick tip. <laughs> Don't tell him you're going to do it. Just do he it. He turned his back on you. Just do it, just like you did on every other person you killed in the fucking world. But yeah, with Bane, he has to telegraph it and wait and hang on and give him time to like very slowly turn around. And he gives him the cast and crew time to set up the shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Julianne Moore is facing Bane... Stallone is facing away from Bane. She puts on her reflective sunglasses. Again, she's just doing all this right in full view of a she's man just who has casual as shit about all puts this. Puts on her sunglasses, at which point Wrath can see Bane in the reflection of her sunglasses, and he shoots behind him through his jacket. Yeah. I don't really understand what the point of the reflection was. I don't either. He was talking. You know he's behind you. Right. Uh, you're talking to him right now. Yeah. Like the, but since, oh no, now, oh, he's behind me. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden now you're a trick shot artist when you can see the reflection. Yeah. There's so much time setting that up and it's just completely pointless, you know, which didn't even need it. Anyway, that's it. We, that's the end of the movie. We find out their names are Joseph and Anna. They say that their name, the real names are Joseph and Anna. And, and she l- says, let's go get my cat a boyfriend. <laughs> They go off to buy a fucking cat. That's the end of the movie. I wanted that to be some kind of <laughs> metaphor, some entendre. Let's go get my cat a boyfriend. <laughs> Next scene, they're like furries or something. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote capital letters. Gah! Oh, fuck. I hated this fucking movie, dude. I hated this movie. Yeah, it was really bad. So that is the end of the movie. It is 132 minutes. It is a long Again, slog. I, th- there's no reason this movie needed to be any longer than 90 minutes. No reason at all. It it wastes so much time building, trying to build atmosphere and trying to build this sort of brooding tone, and it is just absurd. It is completely ridiculous. One of the silliest movies I've ever seen. So let's wrap it up and give our ratings to Assassins. Just to remind everyone, run-of-the-mill bad movie is a dare. Next-level bad is a double dare. And a good movie is a reverse dare. Corky rating for Assassins. I'm going to... With full apologies to the president of the Assassin's Guild of Assassinations, <laughs> I'm going to say this is a double dare. Uh-huh. All the way, 100%. One of the worst movies we've seen. Yeah. And I am going to put out a hit on them mm. for taking two hours of my life. Two hours and 12 minutes. Two hours <laughs> and 12 minutes. Well, I'll be honest, 12 minutes of those, I walked around. I could not take this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm going double dare, too. It is really... Awful. I'm always kind of surprised when there's some movie from the mid-90s that is like an action movie or a genre movie that I haven't seen, and I've never seen this. And it's kind of like, how have I never seen this? Like, oh, fuck, that's how. Yeah. Awful. I almost, I'm positive I stayed away purposefully in the 90s. Be like, God, no, I'm not watching that fucking bullshit. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's really, 
really silly. And I would recommend it as sort of an engaging bad movie because I or an entertaining bad movie because I laughed quite a bit. I laughed more than a lot of comedies, but it was not intentional. I would say it's too long. It's That's too just long it. for that. It's too, it's too long to be a fun thing. If yeah. it was 90 minutes of this nonsense, maybe, but oh, it's a real chore at 132. All right. That's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel, but we'll be back to review another one of your movie dares. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com. Be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can read more of my movie reviews in the Sacramento News Review and at newsreview.com. Corky, yeah. where can people find more of your work? I'm doing a two-nighter at the Assassin's Guild of Assassination building headquartered in Place to Be Determined, <laughs> uh, set up by my internet liaison Electra at cat.meowkittylover.com. I just hope the Metro Police aren't listening to this. The, okay, <laughs> Metro Police, please don't protect and serve. <laughs> For Dear Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. Our producer is Johnny Producer at backslash record dot listen. <laughs> Flores. <laughs> and I'm Corky McDonald saying, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> oh.